Well, maybe if you are like me, uh, there has been a time or a moment in your life where you uh, were trying to do something and it wasn't necessarily needed. You had maybe tried to give something to someone and they didn't really want it, or you had tried to do something or something to something, if that makes sense, and it wasn't necessarily needed. Um, it was four years ago, and it was a pretty epic moment for uh, my now wife and I at the time. It was our first Christmas. And as we had made the trip uh, to get a real Christmas tree, had my old Buick car we had drove, uh, found the tree, cut the tree down, felt pretty significant for us. I jammed the tree in the back of the car hanging out of uh, the window, and we drove home and set up the tree. And as we started to set up the tree, um, I explained to my wife what was something that my family always did. We would put salt water in the tree because it would make the tree last longer. And she started to question me. And I said, come on, seriously, don't question me here. And one of my main faults in my life is when I am about 10% sure of something, I will act as if I'm 100% sure. So what did we do? We, she said, okay, if you say so, put about four cups of salt in a bin of water and poured it into the Christmas tree. Well, what would happen? Uh, Three days later, our tree would die completely, and it never would rise from the dead. And then we would go to family Christmas, and my wife would explain to my family, hey, what is this saltwater myth that you guys use? And everyone looks at me like I have four heads. So now I am known as the guy who put diesel fuel or in a tree and just killed the tree. I understand. God just brings water. Water works best. We now have a fake tree. It was something that was unexpected, but it wasn't necessarily needed. Um, Expectations, for all of us, we all have them. An expectation is maybe simply something that you want. It's something that you desire. And a need is, right, something that you would know. It's something that you need. Maybe for some of you during this time, uh, you want maybe a lot of coffee, right? You want to be with family, or maybe you need coffee or caffeine, uh, or to be with your family, you need other things to survive the family gathering. There are things that you need and things that you want. And the crazy thing about expectations that you have and that I have, a lot of times they go unsaid, but our expectations are rather normal, aren't they? Maybe I expected a year ago things to be not crazy good, but not crazy bad. I expected normal. If I were to ask any one of you a year ago, what would you expect for this year to look like? You would have answers, you would have hopes, you would have expectations, or maybe you would say, I expect it to be like every other year that I have had, normal. And if there is anything, anything that you and I have experienced over the past year is normal. Maybe for a lot of you, there are things that were unexpected in your life, but they were needed. You see, when unexpected things happen in my life and in your life, a lot of times it is when God is able, he is able to give us things that we actually need. I don't necessarily want to slow down. I don't necessarily want to deal with anxiety, right? I don't necessarily want to deal with trust issues I have, but maybe, just maybe, that is exactly what I need. You see, at the first Christmas, 
there was full of hope and expectation, but it was also full of unexpectedly needed things. You think of Mary's life. Totally unexpected. Definitely needed. You think of Joseph's life. Totally unexpected, but definitely needed and necessary. In John chapter 1, we are going to look at one verse tonight, just one. And we are going to look at this idea of Jesus as he is coming, which was unexpectedly needed for you and for me. It says in the first part of the verse, John 1.14, the word became flesh. What does that have to do with what we're talking about here tonight and what you will hopefully celebrate tomorrow morning? As you gather around with family and friends and maybe you read the Christmas story, this idea in John 1.14, the word became flesh, which simply means this, that God always was. He doesn't have a beginning. He is simply there and he becomes flesh. As was read earlier this evening, he takes on human form becomes just like you and just like me, but rather a lot better than us. Sinless he would be. He became flesh. And here is the cool thing about this. It was before you and I could even ask. Before we would understand our need, before we would understand what we needed from God, God would anticipate anticipate your need and mine. He would become flesh and take on the form of a child. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, dwelling simply means, simply means setting up your tent. Just setting up your tent in someone else's life. And this is exactly what Jesus does. When Jesus and God decides to send his son, his only son, when he sends him to dwell among us, he does so with you in mind. You see, in a lot of things that you and I are hearing today or maybe believing today, um, I do believe that the devil has a lot of things at play. And there are things that maybe he lies to you about, he lies to me about, and there are things that you and I are fed. And one of the things that I tend to believe, or maybe you tend to believe, is this, that God is far, that God has left you, or maybe that this idea that God is tired of your burdens. You see, all these things that maybe you have thought or you have heard are not true and not from God at all. It says in the Bible that he is not far from each and every one of us. Every single one of us. He is near. Emmanuel, God with us. Or you could say, God with me. That he made his dwelling among us. It says in the Bible that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, on your behalf, so you and I could be made right with God. 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That he decided, he decided to look at your life and look at my life and said, I have to do something about this. Before you asked, before you thought of it, and most likely before you realized the need that you would have and that I would have. Totally unexpected. God initiates. He sends. And the reason he needed to dwell among us is because you and I, um, as you would understand and you would probably have no debate over, is that you needed, you needed somebody to come and to help. If you have um, went through any season of life, or even this past year, where you felt like you just couldn't do it, I just can't, maybe you said. Maybe you said, I'm just tired. Maybe you said, I don't even know how to get through today. There are things in your life where you needed God. God anticipates and initiates for you. You see, at Christmas, at Christmas, Jesus had you in mind. He had your life in mind. And he sees us falling short and he says, I will set up my tent in their living room. I will dwell among them. God with us. And it says in the Bible that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You see, one of the lies that could be told to you today is that God is irrelevant or he can't speak to you or doesn't speak to you or if you cry out to him, maybe you've tried before and you've heard nothing. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The next part of the verse goes, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father. Now, when you see something, there are a lot of times when you can't unsee. Like a picture of this baby that is probably cuter than Jesus himself. And you would see that picture and you would say, that is the cutest thing I have ever seen in my life. This is my baby, day one, January 31st, 2020. And when you see something, a lot of times you can't unsee. And John, who is writing this letter, and the followers of Jesus, it says, we have seen his glory. Eyewitnesses. There are things in your life that you can't unsee. Maybe it's things that you wouldn't necessarily like to talk about. Maybe it's visits you had to the hospital. It's conversations you've had with family. It's things that you've went through. You'd say, I can't unsee that. Maybe, hopefully, there are, on the flip side, things that you have seen where you would say, I can't unsee that. You would see maybe baptisms, or you would see people making life decisions for Christ, and you would say, I just can't unsee that. When the disciples saw Jesus and lived with him and dwelled among him, they said, we have seen his glory, that he is not like you and I. He's not like the picture of my baby that was up on the screen. He's not maybe as significant as, or you would think as significant. Maybe when you see Jesus or when you think about Jesus, do you think about glory? Something different. Something weighty. Something that when he comes, 
you would expect, you would expect if anybody, if anybody deserves an ushering in to the universe, it would be our Messiah. But how, how does he choose to come? Humble, low, unrecognized, unseen, for what, if, if anything would deserve any kind of glory, it was Christ. But he came in a way, in a way that was different, in a way that was humble, in a way that was seeking to be obedient to the Father. And when they saw Jesus, and when they would see baby Jesus, they would say, this is glory, and this is from the Father. It goes on to say in the verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And maybe for some of you, you would know some people full of something, but not grace and truth around this time. They're full of it, but you don't know what it is. Jesus came full of grace and truth, as we sang tonight. And what, what about grace? It says in Ephesians 1.8 that he lavished his grace upon us. And this is the only way you can think about it. Maybe later tonight, or tomorrow, or maybe the next day, you're going to eat some type of Christmas cookie that has way too much sugar in it, and you will get sick after one cookie or one piece of cake. And you will look at mom, you will look at grandma, how much sugar is in this because I'm sick. It is too much to eat another piece. You see, the word lavished in the Bible means just too much to bear. For those who are in Christ, when we come to God and he gives us grace, he is full of grace, more, more than you can actually handle, more than you can take in. It's just so much, you can't run out. You and I, you and I, unknowingly, are addicted to grace. It is an IV system that is set up with God that he pours grace into your life and my life. In moments this past year that you would think about Christmas, you would think about this past year and and the things maybe you went through, and you would say, I didn't necessarily respond in the most godly way that I needed to. I didn't say the things that I probably should have said. I was irritated. I was frustrated. I needed grace. It was Monday night. I got a phone call from a friend and said, someone is about to die. They just were diagnosed with leukemia the year before. He was given, or is now given, two to three weeks to live. And they said, they want a pastor to come and pray with them, pray a blessing over him before he dies. And I said, that's exactly what my job title is. I pray over people before they die. I'd love to do that. If there is that job title, I want that job title. So I drove out to Canton. I got an address, a phone number. I had no idea where I was going. Started to pull into the neighborhood. And as I pulled in, it was one of those moments where I thought, probably should have brought someone with me. Had someone or something with me. uh, Pulled into this random house. Didn't necessarily look too glorious. And I said this prayer, God, I have no idea what this is about to look like or who I'm about to talk to. I don't even know what they look like, where they're from. I pray that you would be with me, God. I sat down with a man named Jim who was 51 years old. 
and his wife, who was with him, Michelle, had a conversation with John. He said, I've been given a few weeks to live, and honestly, I've never been to church. I've never read the Bible. I told someone who told someone who told someone that I need to talk to somebody who knows something about death and the afterlife. And I sat there for about an hour, and we had a conversation about Christ. And with tears running down his eyes, he says, I don't want fire insurance. I'm not trying to click my ticket before I die. He looked at me and he said, I need actual peace. And if that is what you are offering, that is what I want. He needed grace. And when I explained grace to him and to his wife, he says, that is what I need because I have done some things I can't undo. And I explained this verse, and I explained Ephesians 1, 8, that he lavishes grace upon us. You see, right after that, on Monday, I had left not knowing if I would speak to them ever again. And on Tuesday, his wife texted me and said, I don't know if this is possible, but do you baptize people? And if so, we would like to do that. Absolutely, that's on my job title as well. John and Michelle, Lord willing, will get baptized next week because they understand grace and truth, and truth. Let's just talk about that for a second. If there is anything, anything today, there are things that you don't trust, things that I don't trust. I'm not sure what to believe anymore, right? Things I see and things I hear, unless I actually see it, I don't know who is lying, who is telling the truth, and if so, how am I supposed to trust them? In a day, in a day, where you don't know what to trust, I don't know what to trust, I don't know what is true and what is false, Jesus comes full of truth. It says in the Bible that it is impossible for God to lie, that it is actually outside of his character. The only person who can bring grace and truth and be consistent, because a lot of you would know Christians who, they're really gracious, but they don't have any truth. And some of you would have stories of Christians where they have a lot of truth, but they've never heard or heard of that G word, grace. They've never had it. They just don't know how. And Jesus comes full of both. He tells you that you need him. He reminds you that you need him. And then he gives you grace, which is exactly what you need. You see, the Christmas story is full of things that are unexpectedly needed. Things that you and I would experience that we would say, that is unexpected, but it's needed. You see, if you follow the Christmas story and you look at Mary's life and Joseph's life, and the places they would go, and where God would send them, And then after baby Jesus was born, they would have to go and leave because Herod was trying to kill all babies two and under. And you imagine Mary and the anxiety and fear she would feel. She would probably have to reflect on what the angels told her. Fear not. She would probably have to reflect on what the angel told her. The Lord is with you. Mary. Joseph would have to cling, cling to what God said. The truth that this is the Messiah. So as you and I have come in here tonight, and just to briefly look at a verse and to reflect on Jesus himself, 
He is exactly what you need, is he not? He is a savior who is full of things that are unexpectedly needed. In your life this past year, as you have maybe reflected the the year that we've been through and you are more excited for New Year's than you've ever been because you're ready for whatever this is to be done. You don't even know where to put it in. You don't know the compartments to put it in. You don't know how to even phrase it or tell someone your type of year and the things that were added to it. I believe the Holy Spirit just comes to comfort us tonight. Unexpectedly needed. You see, Jesus will come back. And he will not come back as a baby. He will come back. It will be unexpected, but it will be needed. May you and I found be found waiting that we would be ready for his return. At this time in our service, we are going to talk about what uh, a candle lighting service is and why we do this. And maybe there's one in your seat beside you um, or in front of you if you can't, but just have one with you. It says in John 1, uh, 9, that Jesus was the light, that he was the light of the world, it would go on to say. That he came as light in darkness. And as he was full of grace and truth, in a symbol sense for us, our world is completely dark, in need of Christ. And when Jesus comes as the light of the world, he gives the commission to his disciples, go, you be the light of the world, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so what we are going to do tonight, uh, if you would stand and just have your candle um, with you, go ahead and stand. And I've asked a few guys to come forward. I'm going to light their candle and just light the person uh, beside you and behind you. And as we do so, we're going to sing a few songs with Connor tonight. And just as we light our candles around, it serves as a symbol for each and every one of us to, to know that we don't go out alone. We don't live this life alone in darkness, but rather we go out being the light of the world with each other.